Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. Let's bring the magic this time, Paul. Or, you know, it is Star Trek. So instead, let's bring the science. Science! (laughs) Hi, I'm Aaron. This is Paul. Welcome to another very exciting episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, where we talk about all the latest in Star Trek television that's about 20 years old. So, uh, you know, later later in the episode, we're going to talk about an episode from Enterprise. So, danger... There be spoilers. Danger, Will Robinson. You know, oh, if, wrong you, show. if you didn't watch it, you know, when it was you know, sometime over the last, what, 15, 20 years. Yes. Yeah, however, like however long it's been. So, so Aaron, I know you yes. put together an outline and I know I approved it, but I'm already going off outline. Damn it, Paul. That's what I do. <clears throat> I just wanted to surprise you. Yeah, I don't like surprises. You love surprises. Like surprises. You love surprises. I, I really, I rather quite loathe them. Oh. Loathe them. But but go ahead, Paul. Now that you've done it, surprise me. Yeah, well, uh, n- n- now I don't want to. But I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> if you have at least $1,210 in your bank account, you can bid on the auction for the Search for Spock years. Oh, yeah, I saw that. You can get the actual prosthetics worn by Leonard Nimoy in Star Trek Three. Yeah, it's at Leland's.com. Starting bid was $1,000. Uh, as of recording, there's two days left, and it's only gone up. It's only had three bids, probably because $1,000 for a pair of nasty-looking prosthetic ears. <laughs> they do look all gnarly, don't they? <laughs> they really kind of do. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're, damn, they're 1984, so they're over right. 30 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I've got that much money in my ManCon fund. Huh. Yeah. I could I could divert that payment. Yeah, we, we don't need mancon this year. It just you know I could just be a, a set of ears that we could all borrow from time to time. <laughs> just, just pass I it could around. wear them. Like, you could wear them. Tim could wear them. You know, just share them all around the crew. We'll all get some sort of uh, sexually transmitted ear funk. I was about to say. To be fair, I think I'd prefer to get it before Tim gets it. <laughs> well, that that is a danger. That is a danger. Yeah. So I was I was on the elevator this morning. Oh, going up to work, and this woman gets on, and she has what looks like a Star Trek purse. Now, you remember we were watching that episode uh, a few weeks ago, the Tholian Web, where, you know, Kirk and Spock, everybody over to the USS Defiant, and they've got their silver LeMay spacesuits on. You remember that? I recall that. Yes. So, so, you know, it's that weird sort of silvery textured material. Well, this woman gets on the elevator with, with that silver LeMay sort of looking purse, and I'm fascinated by it. I mean, I, my eyes are just locked on her purse, and I'm like – 
That is some purse. I'm saying this out loud. That is some purse. You could bake a potato in that purse. And she's like, uh-huh, yeah. I'm like, it, that, it's like that, that, that's from Star Trek. Wear that on the moon. Does, is, is that, you know, will that contain an entire environment? And she, like, couldn't have gotten off the, the elevator fast enough. Because I'm like, yeah, yeah. How, how much how much temperature would that would that would that take? You could probably re-enter the atmosphere with that purse. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse and I'm, has been. I'm sorry. Scaring people off the <laughs> elevator fair. for that's years. Fair. For years. Like I, you know I, when they when that <laughs> you know when they see Aaron walking down the hallway, they're like, door closed, door closed, door closed. <laughs> Documented history of my horrible elevator etiquette. Yes. It really is. It really is. Uh, huh. Hadn't thought about that until now. Yeah. Huh. yeah, yeah. Uh, that should be concerning. You know what I think should also be concerning? What's that? How well Roddenberry is doing. Uh, in what way? Five million dollar home out in uh, out in the California wherever's, uh, you know, in that far off land of California. Uh, I saw an article on, on, on today that five million dollars on this home. Million I mean, dollars. Wow. Million dollars. And so, you know, we've we've been wondering, you know, he's got a producer credit on Discovery. What is his actual role on that show? Well, apparently to cash checks. <laughs> <laughs> that that is that apparently is, is what I get from that. I did hear an interview with him though, uh, not too long ago, where he talked about um, you know, his role is more of like creative consultant. He uh-huh. didn't use that word. I will, where they ran scripts by him. He made notes and then sent them back, um, which translates to me that he, there is either a rights agreement between the Roddenberries, you know, because, you know, Gene made made the brand uh, that, that there's got to be some sort of transaction between the two or uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that, it really suggests to me that that there's some sort of contractual relationship or rights relationship uh, around the use of the Roddenberry Star Trek property. I know that CBS and Paramount own it, but I, there apparently has got to be something there because I can't imagine that they'd spend the money just to have him on to have the name, you know, because, I mean, literally he's had no Star Trek involvement until after his father died. Yeah. You know, and his involvement up to then was doing documentaries as opposed to being involved in the production of anything. So uh, I've always been a little curious about that. And, uh, a little bit of that's been revealed. It sounds rather shady. Yeah, well, shifty. Yeah, yeah. shifty. Uh, yeah. Sketchy. Sketchy, Sketchy I, I think, might be the word. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what we're yeah. saying is that there's some type of Star Trek mafia. <laughs> well, you know, once you think you're out, they pull you back in, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. A space age looking pad in West Hollywood. Yeah, six thousand square feet cost a shade under five million dollars. I got to tell you, I have some friends that purchased a three thousand square foot house for about four hundred thousand dollars. So the five million dollars doesn't seem like a good deal. Just putting that out there, Rod. <laughs> well, you've got that when you've got those fat stacks of Star Trek Discovery money to spend. Yeah, you know, you're just out there making it rain, baby. He has six bedrooms along with six full and two half bathrooms. All right, all right. The pri- the master bedroom suite has a fireplace and two private terraces just in case you want a different one from the one you were on the night before. Well, that's that's just in case, you know, you've got you got a date on one terrace and then you need to have a date on the other terrace. 
you know, smart, smart, smart. You, you got you to you keep it separated, Paul, as the song says. I, I, you got to <laughs> keep it separated. <laughs> you know, it has a massage area as well. And I'm kind of wondering what's what. Like, <laughs> does that just not happen in the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to have the special massage, massage area. Massage <laughs> Well, you know who I think is probably very familiar with massage particularly of the indiscreet variety. And that's got to be one Mr. William Shatner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right, right. I mean, you know, if not William Shatner, certainly Captain Kirk. I mean, come on, come on. Well, he's my hero, so. Well, uh, you're your role model, your life coach. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, your spirit animal. (laughs) Uh, Shatner is out performing live with the uh, re-release of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, and he has a limited number of uh, uh, cities that he's hitting, but you can go and hear Shatner tell his Star Trek memories of uh, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan all around the country. Interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, for a guy who... He's 87 years old, Paul. He's 87 years old. Oh, look at that. He's coming to Baltimore, Maryland on May 16th. Oh, damn it. I'm going to be at ManCon on May 16th. Don't! Oh, damn you, Mancon! You know what? If you just spent that money yeah. on well, Spock ears... Okay, so I'll buy the Spock ears for us. We'll trade in this year's Mancon for uh, for our Spock ears, and that way you can go see Bill Shatner. Bill Shatner talk about Shat- Wrath of Khan. Because, oh. I mean, I, I'm not... T- oh, wait. There's a review from November 2nd, 2017. Wow, what a show. It was like watching a live autobiography. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I think he's, you know, I've seen him, I've not seen him live, but I've seen like uh, interviews with him. I think he's probably pretty good at that. The thing that I always find so amusing about Shatner is that he ran from all the Star Trek for a long, long time. Yeah. And then, you know, what, 20 years or so ago, he's like, oh, you know, maybe I should embrace this because there's some dollars there. Yeah. And, you know, of course, because he was Captain Kirk, he was the, he was the, in in the, the uh, limelight. He sucks in all the all that uh, all those dollars, whereas the guys who have always embraced their fans like uh, George Takei, Nichelle Nichols, uh, Walter Koenig, you know, have had to struggle a bit more. Yeah, um, I feel bad for those guys. They, you know, they didn't get a Boston legal, you know. No, or uh, they didn't get a shit. Says. My dad says, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they didn't get that. You know, it's not shit. My Sulu says, no, no, no. it wasn't shit. My Uhura says, no. <laughs> It, I, you know, it wasn't. To be, it wasn't Chekhov legal. <laughs> Chekhov legal. Uh, poor. I would have paid to see that. I would have paid to see Chekhov in that role. You know, it's him. It's him in his his Russian accent going Danny Crane. <laughs> I guess none of them really did have much of anything. I mean, Sulu has social media. Yeah, well, you know, George Takei's had some, you know, yeah, and he's, he's doing fine some. now. You know, I, yeah. I think as a result of, oh my, in social media and um, Pizza Hut commercials. Well, and he 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 has uh, written a play or or more, and has done Broadway work. Uh, you know, he's got that. I forget what it's called. It's uh, based on his family history of being in the uh, uh, Japanese uh, detention camps Correct. during World War II. Yeah. Um, was uh, it Allegiance? Yes, I think that might be it. Yeah. I think that might be it. But then I've always wanted to see that, but uh, it's never played anywhere here locally. I don't think it's got like a touring group or anything. No. But it does look very interesting. I've seen I've seen video of it and it, it looks great. 
Uh, and I, and I've heard, I've heard good things about his performance in it, but, uh, you know, it's not anything I've, I've been close to, to go see. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the problem with being here in Texas is, you know, only the big, the big plays come here, you know, on the, on the, you know, touring circuit. Mm -hmm. One day, Hamilton, Paul, one day. One day. But until then, no, you don't even get William Shatner. I got to say, no, no shat for you. No shat for you. Um, you don't get a shat. Uh, I'm looking at the the tickets right now, and you know, like if I want to sit in the very front row or within, uh, you know, like the first five rows or so, um, tickets are two hundred and fifty bucks. Wow. Um, you know, but in the back they're about thirty nine bucks, which I mean, I got to be honest, really isn't. I mean, for front row seats to this, two hundred and fifty bucks. I don't know. Maybe that is bad. Maybe maybe I've just become numb to it. Because <laughs> um, I will say I'm going to Awesome Con next week in DC because. Uh, I tried to get out of it, but my brother wants to go, and he's forcing me to go with him. And uh, John Boyega from that can you other. Start again, I lost you. Can... you. You lost me, Paul. Can you start again? From I'm going. Yeah, can you start again? From I'm going to Awesome Con. I lost you there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I am going to Awesome Con in Washington D.C. next week. I was hoping to get out of it, but my brother talked me into it, and he's going to to meet some uh, celebrities out there. And you know, in, in comparison, I can take a photograph with John Boyega for $200 and he's not even going to regale me with tales. Right. Uh, what stories does he have to tell you? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just going to ask questions about Daisy Ridley anyway. <laughs> well, he won't be able to tell you much about her cause he didn't spend much time with her in last Jedi. Fair, fair, fair. You know, he can talk to you about that other person he spent time with in last Jedi, whose name completely escapes me. Rose, but I don't recall yes. the actress's name. Yeah. Yeah. Marie yeah. Tram. And, something yeah. like that. It seems like a nice person hated her character in the film. Yeah, yeah. The but, actress herself seems perfectly fine. But that's that other star franchise. That that's we right. We're about. not going to talk about the wars. We're going to talk about the Trek, right? Yes. Well, and, and go ahead. I'm sorry. We're going to take a moment to uh, to say talk about something sad. Yeah, you know, it, it, we did this last time too. We had a uh, a a notable Trek guest star pass away last time, uh, David Ogden Styers. We have had that happen again this time. And it is, uh, you know, Dr. Stephen Hawking, uh, who uh, guest appeared, I believe it was in Descent Part One uh, of the uh, Next Generation, in which he plays a holographic version of himself playing poker with Sir Isaac Newton, Einstein, and Lieutenant Commander Data himself. And uh, you know, I, I, you know, Dr. Hawking was uh, was uh, sort of an icon to a lot of us. Um, not well known or not as well known back in what 93 when that episode first aired. Yeah. Uh, he, he had only just recently within the last couple, within a couple of years before that published his book, a brief history of time. But since then, I mean, he's on, uh, he was on, you know, big bang theory, like, you know, frequently, <laughs> you know, in a number of appearances on big bang theory yeah. and, and, and is every, ever bit the pop culture icon, uh, at, at the time of his death that Einstein was, uh, at the time of his, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's a horrible loss. I, I, I thought an awful lot of, uh, Dr. Hawking and really enjoyed, uh, the audio version of his book, uh, brief history of time. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he had such humor, um, yeah. you know, that, well, he, and, you know. And, and, yeah. And like a Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's got that ability to explain, uh, uh, complex concepts where normal people or, or even, you know, subnormal people such as myself can understand them. We, we call that abnormal. <laughs> abnormal. <laughs> abnormal. 
Yeah, so adios, Dr. Hawking. You will be missed. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I could, I would uh, I would sing to you um, a morning song in my native tongue of Klingon, but it has been years since I've spoken the mother language, so uh, perhaps I should download Duolingo and um, try to relearn it. Well, you know what we could do, Paul? Is we could we could cry out to let uh, Stovo Kor know that a warrior is coming their direction. Mm, mm. It's a good idea. <laughs> Did you want to get in on that? Paul? Uh, what? What? My ears are ringing. What was that? <laughs> I was I was shouting out oh. to, to let Stovo Kor know that a warrior was coming. Well, I mean, it's a little Intrude. late. I mean, Hawking it's died like last week. Well, yeah, but we haven't recorded since then. <laughs> fair, fair. Get up. Get off my ass, Paul. So, so Hawking's just waiting. He's just like sitting there like. He's, he's been waiting in the waiting room, just waiting for someone to announce his coming. And, and it's Which happening. apparently I'm the only one who can do that. So. Apparently. Well, I mean, we kind of anticipated that. Oh, OK. But you were saying about the Klingon language, Paul. Yeah. So uh, have you have you have you loaded the Duolingo app to your phone yet so that you can learn yourself some Klingonese? No, I have not. Have you? I have. What? Was, I, I did it the minute I read the article. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, free app? Teach me Klingon? I'm in. <laughs> Wait, it's free? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know it was free. I assumed but, it was paid. It, but it's not there yet. Uh, it's still in beta test. Uh, I was I was super disappointed. So now I'm just, I'm just relearning fucking German now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just relearning English right now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm I'm toggling through. Do they have Andorian? No. Do they have Tellarite? No. Romulan? No. Vulcan? No. I guess I'll relearn German. <laughs> German. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it to come out, but apparently it has been in development for two or three years. Um, and they've got a number of guys who specialize in Klingon language. And strangely enough, and we featured this on our Instagram page, there are guys who actually do it, who teach Klingon. There are, there are entire conferences that come together about the Klingon language. You know, it is, in fact, the fastest growing language in the world. Uh, I, really? I, keep, I keep seeing that statistic. It blows my mind. <laughs> where, where, are all the, where were all these people when Star Trek Beyond came out? Maybe yeah, exactly. support the franchise and we won't have to deal with the fucking Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie because they'd keep making normal Star Trek movies. Well, you remember we were having that conversation a couple of weeks ago about the Klingon Tourist Center that's opened up in Sweden? Yes. And I was like, is there like a huge pocket of Star Trek fans in Sweden? Because I'm like, I can't imagine that that could stay open anywhere except maybe Vegas here in the States. Right. Yeah, you know, that like that. I'm sorry. And that didn't last. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was one open for like 10 years, the Star Trek experience. I mean, I think it was it was good while it lasted. But, you know, to, to your point, you know, there's just doesn't seem to be enough business to support that sort of thing here in the States. Well, apparently a lot of the guys who work on this uh, this Klingon language translator are, in fact, Swedish. It's crazy town. Huh. So the I don't know. What's yes. I don't know what's going on over there in Sweden. But uh, it seems like there like there is a whole lot of gawk eating. <laughs> I don't know that I heard that the way it was intended. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're eating gawk over there. A whole lot of gawk. A whole lot of gawk. Mm. Gawk is best when served live. Okay, well, yeah. 
Okay, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure that you're, you're in with the Klingon culture, Paul. And I appreciate that. You know, I mean, uh, I'm out of touch, but um, when Duolingo, you know, has their Klingon language available, I will check into it. Absolutely. I am totally, I am totally going to do it because if I can, if I can nail my uh, conversational Klingon, shit's going on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> you will see my LinkedIn updated. Toot sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Head has learned a new language. Would you like to congratulate Aaron Head on learning his new language? <laughs> and then I'll congratulate you in Klingon. <sighs> Kapla! <laughs> Kapla! Kalesh! <laughs> That's. May Kalesh be with you. Yo, uh, you know, I am going. I, you know, Easter Sunday is just right around the corner when I got the family together and saying, Grace, I might just say it in Klingon. Well, I'm just mean, saying <laughs> that's only that's only a week away, a week and a half. So that's a lot to learn. Well, I, you know, I could probably, uh, you know, put it through some sort of, uh, you know, Alta Vista babblefish sort of thing. Right. Yeah. You know, and just and just learn my, my little bitty prayer. I wonder, Can you go to like Google right now and say, you know, what is hello and Klingon? I'm sure you can. Huh. I'm sure. I, I know that there are things out there. That if only we had some way to know for sure. Hmm. Hmm. But we will find that out on this podcast. No, no time. So, Paul. Yes, sir. You had homework last time. What? Did you watch In a Mirror Darkly Part 1? Was I supposed to? Damn it, Paul. I watched it. <laughs> Getting big trouble. Big trouble. Big trouble. I watched Mirror Dar- In a Mirror Darkly Part 1 and Part 2, even though you told me not to watch Part 2 yet. You were you were forbidden from watching Part 2. I watched Part 2. I was on a plane. I had nothing else to do. Oh, uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you, you didn't want to watch porn on the plane? Well, <laughs> I mean, this is after. <laughs> maybe we should maybe maybe when we're done doing the uh, Mirror Universe episodes, we could watch a little uh, Star Trek parody porn. Yeah, and we will review it three and a half minutes at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I watched three and a half minutes, Paul, and then I was sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> no reason. <laughs> Apropos of nothing. <laughs> so so in, a, in a Mirror Darkly. Yes, Paul, go ahead. I liked it. I mean, I, I know I'm jumping to the end, but I'm going to tell you that I enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, it, it is. I, 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 I have not seen all the Enterprise episodes. I know. Shocker. Wow. Was uh, this the first time you've seen this one? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. I, I, and I, you know, what's funny is I've actually seen a portion of part two, which we want. We're not going to talk about this week. So don't. No, we are not talking about that. Paul. Don't don't expect God it. Damn it, Paul. Um, but i had not seen the first episode and so uh i i am glad to to visit it for the first time there are there are some things about this episode that i really appreciate Uh, and you know the the first thing is is that this is the first time we visited the mirror universe over the entire continuum of star trek that we didn't involve some sort of transfer that someone from the mirror universe didn't come over here or that somebody from our universe didn't go over there right this is just straight up we're in the mirror universe. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah, without any real... Um, no explanation. No explanation. Yeah. And, I mean, one of the things I love about it, and I, and I wish that Star Trek would do this more or would have done this more, is a different opening credit sequence for various stories, right? And, you know, yeah. this was the first time 
Star Trek had done it. It had been recommended before. Uh, Brandon Braga had recommended it for an episode of Next Generation. I don't recall which episode that was. And Ronald Moore had recommended it for an episode of Deep Space Nine, the episode uh, – uh, Oh, gosh, what was it? The 30 year anniversary with where they had the trial. It was uh, trials and tribulations. Oh, yeah, they had, yeah. They went back to the tribble story. Um, but nobody nobody was willing to pay for it because it's several hundred thousand dollars to do it. But for this episode, after an, a brilliant opening, I'm sorry, I think that opening is brilliant where they oh, start yeah. at the very end of first contact and you're seeing Zephram Cochran walking up in his big winter coat and he's all lined behind him with uh, the, the different uh, – uh, you know, settlers there in his post-apocalyptic world and the Vulcans land and the Vulcan steps down the gangplank to come say hello. He sticks up his hand and, you know, does the Vulcan salute. And in this episode, instead of Zeph Cochran sticking his hand up and, and trying to salute or extend his hand to shake, he puts his hand in his coat, draws a little sawed off shotgun and blows the Vulcan away. And they seize control of the ship. Thus, the beginning yep. of this mirror universe episode, and I just think it, it, number one, it's beautifully edited. You know, they the, they were afraid, Paul, that they would have to rebuild that set of the Vulcan ship because of the way the 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 guys were going to run up the plank. But Herman Zimmerman, the set designer, had it sitting in his own personal uh, storage space, holding on to it from after first contact. He's like, you know, I've still got that. And they were able to use that for the really? show. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. the actual piece. I, I, just, I think that's hysterical. Well, and like you said, brilliantly edited because it's not like they yeah. filmed additional scenes with um, the actors who played Zephram Cockrum. It's, you know, they, they just carefully edited around it. You know, they, they show him, um, but the footage that they use is all from First Contact, which it's hey. a great callback. Oh, it is. It's a terrific callback. You know whose idea that was, Paul? Who? Mine? <laughs> Manny Cotto. Really? And, you know, many people will tell you that the reason why season four of Enterprise is so good is because of showrunner Manny Cotto coming on. And he had that idea. He had not the idea for them. He knew he wanted to do a mirror universe story uh -huh. and he assigned it out to one of his writers. And then when the writer's like, you know, I'm not really sure what to do about the cold open. And he's like, hey, let's do this. I, I, this is why Manny Cotto is so, so brilliant at working in Star Trek, because he's a fan. And he has that knowledge. I, I, I think that's just just fantastic and wonderful. And I will point out that the guy who wrote this episode and his name escapes me all of a sudden. Um, but he uh, he I'm just looking at my notes and say, I, I know I've got it here somewhere. But uh, he's a fan. He was one of his favorite episodes was the Tholian Web, the episode that we we watched last time. Right. And in his mind, you remember I, I said I said to you, Paul, I'm like, you know, who ever wondered what the hell happened to the Defiant? You know, it was the MacGuffin that got you there. You don't think about that. Well, he had been thinking about that for years since he was a kid. What the hell happened to the Defiant? And he had actually pitched an episode where they run into the Defiant, where the Defiant had had slipped through that uh, that different dimensional space, as the Japanese call it, and you know. Uh, his his original story was that it just slipped back in time and the crew of the Enterprise would run into it. Well, that got rejected because they're like, it's going to be too hard to deal with a future starship. We'll need to, uh, uh, you know, we can't do that. So he pitched it in this one because, hey, it's Mirror Universe. We just make it work in Mirror Universe. And I'm like, yeah, that works. That's a great idea. Yeah. And the I, way they made it work, you know, because it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not just Mirror Universe. It's also time travel. You know, which we had mentioned previously when we discussed the Tholian web. 
Um, and so it, it was just, it, it's so well handled. And again, just episode one. So there's very little right. of um, of that, you know, in episode one. Now, obviously, it really picks up in episode two. And episode one is really more about the buildup to, to find that ship. Um, but I, I really like the universe that was set up. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, it, it's funny because you can tell the actors are having a heyday. Uh, oh, yeah. With, with the, just, I mean, uh, Scott Bakula, for, I mean, he is just chewing the scenery. Absolutely. Well, and we put the hoe back in Hoshi, right? No I mean, joke. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of that foundational work for this episode is really laid down in that opening credit sequence. And one of the things I find fascinating about that is that that's all stock Paramount footage for the most part. You know, you had uh, World War One scenes from uh, 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 Call to Glory and I'm sorry, uh, from uh, Wings. And then you had scenes from Call to Glory. You had scenes from uh, uh, the Hunt for Red October, like the exploding uh, submarine that you see in the opening credits. That's Hunt yeah. for Red October. Uh-huh. And they just had to they, – and they borrowed like a shot from Voyager where the building's exploding. And I think the only thing that they generated new was the uh, ship flying over the moon and, and shooting on the moon base there and the uh, guy standing on the moon with the uh, Terran Empire flag. Hmm. I, I think it's, it's great. And so here's my complaint about the opening credits, Paul. OK. They also generated an original theme for the opening credits that you can't find anywhere. I have been Oh, that's a bummer. I have been unsuccessful in finding the Terran Empire Anthem uh, by uh, Dennis McCarthy and Kevin Kiner. And I'm still looking. I, I think I'm just going to have to rip it from the episode or something. But uh, I, I was I, I started I, I went on the on the hunt for it and I had not yet been able to find it. I, I appreciate how much research you've done in preparation for this today's podcast i really like this episode it's a good episode really, and, it, it really and the is. fact that it's you know the the recency of it um means that it has a, you know a lot of the modern pacing and technology um you don't have to forgive much as it relates to any of those things um you know they they certain they they have fun with the original starfleet uniforms from the Absolutely. original series a versus, lot of fun with that yeah yeah it's it's I mean it's just ex- an extremely well done episode, um, <clears throat> and and the fact that Captain Archer is not the captain, and you know in the mirror universe, and and the the turn the this storyline takes in this first episode, um, where where he is just I, I mean it's it's an old ass episode, so we're gonna ruin it, you know. Um, this <laughs> is about him, you know. He is the 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 Terran Empire is at war with the rebellion. Or rebels. I don't think they're actually referred to as the rebellion. Um, and to win this battle, you know, Cap or he—he's not—he's Commander Archer, right? Right. Yeah. First um, officer, Commander Archer. Yeah. First officer, Commander Archer, basically seizes control of the ship from from the captain. Um, you know, to because he is aware of this uh, this ship that has come from an alternate reality, and has future tech from uh, up to a hundred years in the future. And uh, just just imaginative, fun storyline in this first episode. Yeah, I, I mean, the there are so many well thought changes on these mirror characters, um, like you, you know, Trip, who's one of my favorite characters on Enterprise. I you know I like the the chief engineer Trip Tucker, and you know he's such an amiable, friendly guy in the regular series. And then you throw him in into the, the mirror aspect of him. And he's got those great Delta Delta radiation burns like, uh, like uh, Christopher Pike has in the menagerie. 
And, you know, I'm standing too close to that, you know, warp core because, you know, they, they don't use as good a radiation shielding in the Terran Empire as they do in, in Starfleet and the Federation. Um, you find, you know, the, uh, the, the counterpart for Porthos the Beagle is Porthos the Rottweiler. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how you can watch that and not just giggle, you know. Well, and the doctor. Um, you know, oh, yeah. In, yeah. The, in the mirror universe, he's still a doctor. But he's an evil doctor. Yeah, evil doctor. Doctor of evil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the uh, in the original Mirror Universe, original series episode, Dr. McCoy's sickbay in the script, though not necessarily on the show itself, in the script is described as a vivisectionist's lab. And that's what they based Phlox's lab on was that description was the vivisectionist lab. And I'm like, well, they did a really good job of that. Less so on the original series, very much so yeah. on, uh, in, in this, this episode. Because in the original series, he just had a messy lab. Yeah. You know, the, the the Mirror Universe McCoy was just a pig. You know, hey, Mirror Universe McCoy, pick up your goddamn socks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want your underwear here in the floor. God. God. <laughs> He's evil. He leaves his underwear there on the floor. <laughs> so one of the concerns they had when they were creating this episode, which I find really interesting, and I think it ties back to uh, Discovery really well, is that Manny Cotto had a concern that, you know, here we were going to take this this show Enterprise that was in the early 2000s. And, you know, we're you know, we've got, you know, H we, we shoot in HD. We've got flat screen monitors. It looks very modern. And we're going to crossover onto a set essentially that that's from 1966 right and you know what is that 1966 design aesthetic going to look like in comparison to the enterprise set right and he was afraid is it going to look cheesy and you know much to their joy it looked great. And I think so, too. I think it looked fantastic. I, I think the 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 original series Enterprise Bridge looks amazing there. I think that the, oh, yeah. they did. The, I think the lighting was perfect. And of course, they updated some stuff. You know, the graphics on the on the uh, uh, around the outer ring of the command deck, you know, all move a little bit. You know, you had the you had the Akutas working on that. So it wasn't just those static pictures like they were in the original series. But I think that looked great. And I mean, I really. I, I know that I, I need to stop fighting this battle, but I really wish that producers of Discovery had taken a look at that and realized you don't have to be afraid of that design aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, they, they, know, they, they embraced it in a way that wasn't overly cheesy. Agreed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there's a, there's a happier medium than putting lens flares on everything. Um, so anyway, I, I just, I, I thoroughly enjoy this episode, you know, long story short, uh, the enterprise, the uh, the NX whatever enterprise from from this series winds up being destroyed by the Tholians as uh, you know uh, Commander Archer and his away team are over on the USS Defiant, yes. and they seize control of the USS Defiant. And what will happen now? Hijinks will ensue. We will discuss it not today, but in our next episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. That's great. And hey, you know, if you've got a comment, question, concern, want to tell Paul why he's wrong on so many subjects, give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted 
valuable ideology of madness surprise or you can hit us up on facebook iom geek um, on twitter at ideology madness instagram at iom geek iomgeek.com or send us an email at ideology of madness at gmail.com and you can also leave us a prediction of which famous star trek guest star will die for next week's episode <laughs> <laughs> the death pool <laughs> there you go alright guys y'all have a good one catch you later Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com have a question or comment hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903 triple wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays no troublesome triples Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers conveniently located on the promenade 